Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week we are discussing what could have been the 21st episode of season 2. That's not a weird how I said it. Like, we're discussing what could have been the 21st episode of season 2. Like... <laughs> <laughs> What's the alternate episode? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the title of the episode is called What Could Have Been, and it is the 21st episode of season two. And it was written by Jennifer Cecile, directed by Bethany Rooney, and originally aired on the WB on May 17th, 2005. And yeah, this episode was uh, produced by two queens in our universe, Jennifer Cecile and Bethany Rooney. I mean, good for them. Uh Unfortunately, this I don't think this episode is the greatest in the series. <laughs> Way to diss them. Yeah, I'm not dissing. Okay, here's the deal. In writers' rooms, a lot of a lot of hands go into the episode, you yeah. know. So this isn't like necessarily insulting their work. It's just kind of sad that they didn't get a better episode to work on together. Yeah, I I feel like this episode. I'm kind of like back and forth on it. I feel like it has some really good conversations between pairs of characters, but overall it wasn't like the most entertaining episode. Yeah, there were a lot of disjointed plot lines, I felt like. It's not bad. It's not good either. And I'm still like confused on what score I want to give it. And I guess we'll figure it out as we continue with this conversation. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of rethinking my score too. I don't know. I'm, I'm in between two. Honestly. Yeah, me too. Like, I'm thinking about, like, uh, instituted half scores for this one. I was about to say, if only we could do half scores. Yeah. No, you don't get to institute that when it works for you. (laughs) Excuse me. Listen, Caitlin, this is my (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Could you imagine if I just, you know, began a power trip and just said, this is my podcast. What I say goes... And I'm no, out of here. <laughs> this is our podcast, Sally. So anyway, let's get into the episode <laughs> before we get into a fight. <laughs> yeah, we better. As a reminder, this podcast is spoiler free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Nathan gets home from the hospital with a big medical bill and the eviction notice. Lucas and Peyton plan a movie night fundraiser to help raise money for Nathan, even though Nathan soon finds out that his medical bills were already paid for. Both Lucas and Peyton ask Nathan if he crashed the car on purpose, but Nathan doesn't give a clear answer. Brooke put the shredded papers together for Lucas, and they find out that it's a bill for a car. Lucas and Andy look closely at the bill and determine that Dan was pocketing money without reporting it. Dan suggests to Nathan that he should get an annulment. Nathan confronts Dan about paying his medical bills and questions his motives for doing so. Shockingly, Dan admits his past wrongs and tells Nathan not to become him. Peyton tells Brooke that it's okay if she's interested in Lucas, but Brooke is hesitant because of what happened in the past between the three of them. Lucas and Brooke have a moment at the fundraiser, but Brooke becomes unsure about their relationship again when she sees Lucas comfort Peyton. Later on, Brooke finds notes and pictures of Peyton that Lucas still has in his room. In other news, Karen emails Keith and tells him that she's always there for him. Keith responds and says thank you. 
Haley asks her manager for time off, and he tells her that she needs to decide if she really wants a music career. After thinking about it, Haley tells her manager that tonight will be her last show and that she's going home to her husband. However, Dan shows up at Haley's show with annulment papers that he says were sent by Nathan. Nathan moves back in with Dan so that he can give his family another shot. Lucas promises Nathan that he will back off on his investigation of Dan and moves out of the house. And Lucas moves back home with Karen and Brooke. Karen wants to set some ground rules for the two of them since they have history together, but Brooke assures her that they are just friends. Lucas is crushed. And Andy finds a suspicious college fund that Dan set up for Lucas. And Lucas tells Andy to not stop looking into Dan. Dun dun dun. Vibing on Lucas, I'm Caitlin Elinich. Interesting. Okay. That line that um Peyton said in the store with Brooke. It looks like you're vibing on him again. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I thought it was cute. <laughs> was, yeah, that, that is cute. Vibing on him. Is that something that people say anymore? I don't know I don't if even they know. say it anymore, but I wanted to reference that, that phrase. Let's bring, it, let's bring it back. I like the phrase. And an AV geek with keys. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> That's what Matt said. I think I kind of missed that line. Exactly what he said, but yeah, That's... he he, uh, he he's referring to getting the uh, the film stuff out of the AV closet, and then Lucas says, "Oh, is that the same closet I caught yep. you and Erica making out in?" Yep. And then and then everybody's like, "Oh my god, now!" <laughs> And the mouth is like, well, it's good to be an AV geek with keys. <laughs> <laughs> so adorable. That was a cute, cute scene in, yeah. in the um, Karen's Cafe with all of them. Because we rarely get to see like that whole group of the side, yeah. of the side characters and everything, too. Yeah, you're right. That We, we haven't seen that. Since like, like Dare Night. Exactly, yeah. It was nice to see everybody get together and show like, hey, they're a friend group. Like, yeah, some people are closer to each other than others, but exactly. it's nice to know that they have, like, this whole family dynamic. I know. I agree. I like it. All right. So today's episode is titled after the song What Could Have Been by Kalanish Circle. Kalanish Circle? Is that how it's pronounced? How, how do you say it? I, I don't know. I said it the same way, oh. so I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was saying it wrong. I I think that's how you say it. I don't know how else yeah. you pronounce it. Kalanish Let's Circle. Let us know if we're, if we're saying it wrong. Uh, <laughs> we, we know nothing about metal. <laughs> so this is our yeah, first this heavy song, metal song. It's hardcore heavy metal, and, and I really don't want to, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum when it comes to metal music. It's personally not my thing. Um, I listened to the song. I did not understand a single word that was being said. Did you, Caitlin? Yes, yeah, I don't like heavy metal, but my boyfriend does. <laughs> I've been subjected to it. I have no idea what this band is. I've never heard of them. <laughs> did you show him the song? I didn't. <laughs> I wonder if he can make out the actual words of the song itself. I'll have to ask him. <laughs> I could not. I read the lyrics, so don't worry. I did my little research. And like I say with my favorite catchphrase every other week, uh, the song is pretty on the nose, I think. <laughs> How so, Jeremy? It's, I mean, it's basically about like the narrator sent into a former lover who left them. And I think this could apply for Nathan and Haley. 
It can apply to Brooke and Lucas. It can apply to uh, Jake and Peyton. And even though these two were never officially together, uh, Karen and Keith. Oh, wow, you're right. Yeah, so I feel like the song like, applies to like, many different groups of people in this instance. Did you say Peyton and Jake? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I was thinking of Peyton and Jake, and more so, actually, Nailey, because, I mean, right. I feel like that's just been going on this entire season, that they are disconnected, and, like, one of the lines, terrified of the unknown, I feel like that really applies to them, because Nathan, like, what he was sure about with Haley, now he's not sure, and yeah, he doesn't know what comes next. And also, Haley is struggling with her career and trying to figure that out and what direction to go in. So she she is uncertain of what what's going to happen next. She do, She's terrified of the unknown. So um, that line in particular was on the news, I would say. <laughs> and then another line that is repeated, it's the very first one, and then it's also at the end of the song, too. Fearless, oh. I pushed the switch, causing you suddenly to disappear. That also, I think, is relates to Nathan and Haley. Oh, that sounds really tragic, actually. <laughs> I feel yeah, it is kind of tragic. You're right. I, I feel like a switch was pushed and that whatever that metaphorical switch was pushed there, and Haley went off into her career. Like mm-hmm. the Chris factor of it all drew her into the possibility of this career and i feel like that pulled her away and basically disappeared from nathan's life oh it's very very sad but yeah i feel like you could pull out some other lines too but those two in particular i feel like screamed Haley and nathan yeah the lyrics are really pretty I will admit that. I know. It's just, you can't actually you hear know. them in the song. <laughs> yeah, you can't actually hear them in the song! In the song like that's, that's a good imitation. <laughs> I am terrified to edit that later. <laughs> Gosh. It's going to sound interested in my ears. It'll probably break my eardrums, and I am okay with that. So you know what? I sacrificed myself for the art of this podcast, Caitlin. <laughs> I'm sorry for your eardrums later, though. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. The listeners will not hear that the way it was originally sounded, because the magic of editing will make it sound good. (laughs) But I was looking at, like, the lines going up, and I'm like, shit, that's going to sound terrible. Yeah, that's going to be fun. (laughs) Anyway, um, so this episode also, like, continues the conversation that... Caitlin, you and I had uh, two episodes ago, is uh, was Nathan's accident on purpose? And I we talked and about it in the last episode, too. Did we talk about it? Yeah, we probably because did. Because remember, the 220 ends with Lucas in the hospital room with Nathan, and Nathan just woke up. And he right, asked, right. he asked Nathan, and then they got cut off from the conversation. So we never mm-hmm. got to hear the response. So basically, at the start of this episode, we see another conversation with Nathan. And Lucas and Lucas is like up front, like, did you crash on purpose? Were you trying to hurt yourself? Mm-hmm. And Nathan, he doesn't know. He doesn't have a yeah. clear answer to give Lucas. Which I think really shows that like feelings are, well, well, th- that's actually not true. To, to Lucas, he kind of like is pretty, he's pretty stubborn to the whole situation. L- you know, he just says like, listen, I just screwed up and I hit the wall. 
that's what he says to Lucas, but then later on to Peyton, which we can actually, like, uh, jump right into talking about uh, Peyton and Nathan. Um, he says to Peyton, I don't know if I aim to hit that wall. Yeah. And I feel like that shows that feelings really aren't linear, and you can feel multiple things at once. I agree. I think, yeah, Nathan is just really troubled right now. And I think the accident, it was in a matter of seconds, like whether to turn away or to just let the car go and crash. Like I said, it happened so fast that I don't even know if he had a clear answer. It just, that's how it ended up. Yeah. There could have been like a split second where he said, you know what? This isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Let's just, let's just crash. Which, you know, kind of like corroborates like what we were saying. And uh, I believe that was two episodes ago where we were saying that, you know, he just isn't sure. And he just let it happen. Yeah. He said he, he probably didn't, like, you know, force it. From, it wasn't like a calculated decision from the get-go. But then once it was happening, he just said, like, you know what, I'm not going to stop it. Which is really sad. I know. It's incredibly, incredibly sad. Why do you think he was willing to uh, open up to Peyton about that and not to Lucas? I think there is still a connection between Nathan and Peyton. Like, they did used to date. And I know there, there isn't, like, a love connection anymore, but I, I feel like they're two people that know each other in a certain way. And maybe that that's why. And I think he knows that Peyton, not that Lucas wouldn't, but I feel like he knows that Peyton would have empathy and just kind of listen to him. And he knows that Peyton has had her own struggles. And is currently struggling. Yeah, that's true, because Peyton is going through... She's going through a heartbreak of her own. I mean, Jake didn't leave her in the same way that Haley left Nathan, but in a way, Jake did leave Peyton. He probably saw that Peyton could relate to him in that regard. Yeah, they're both coping with a loss. Different losses, but regardless, a loss. So I think maybe Nathan was a little bit more open with Peyton. Because he knew she would understand. And, you know, this relates back to the conversation we had about in the the previous episode with Peyton in the car running the red lights. And it's just interesting now that they're both talking about this this crash. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know. Oh, wow. I didn't even. Wow, you're absolutely right. It's kind of like, I mean, obviously we knew like we knew what was going to happen in this episode when we talked about it last time, but. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I just edited out. that episode, so it's fresh in my head. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. The, the fact that the two of them, like, both willingly were putting themselves in danger like that. Yeah. Oh, that makes you wonder. The parallels. The parallels. I know. Whether that was purposeful or not, we don't really know. But it is an interesting parallel regardless. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if the writers are being that, like, intelligent or if we're just, like, reading way too much into it, but I kind of like that. Yeah. Huh. And I I genuinely, I know their relationship in, in season one, it started off toxic, but I genuinely like their conversations. They seem mature. Mm-hmm. Nowadays. I, I think it helps that Nathan has uh, grown so much, too. In the past season and a half, or past two seasons, season two is almost over. But yeah. I completely agree, yeah. So, Nathan, he gets a he gets a letter from Deb, where Deb essentially apologizes for everything, and he uh, 
he talks to Peyton about this, and then he says that he realizes what's important now. His mom, friends, basketball. So he kind of has a complete turnaround from the feelings that he was having in the previous two episodes. Yeah, it's nice to see Nathan, like, reconnect with his mom, like, through this letter. Because mm-hmm. then it led to them having a conversation on the phone, too. And I, I feel like Nathan made a lot of realizations in this episode, and I think that letter was, like, a huge part of it. Yeah. Which, on a, like, little side tangent here, how long do these, like, little recovery programs last normally? Because, spoiler alert, Zeb is very much out of recovery in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think those kind of recovery programs, you're at least in there for... I would say three to three to four weeks minimum, but I I don't know. We know it hasn't been that amount of time in Tree Hill World, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, who who knows, honestly, because time means nothing in Tree Hill. Now take a shot, everybody. Cause <laughs> it honestly should be a drinking game. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we all know probably somebody probably has a drinking game out there. Like, take a shot every time Caitlin and Jeremy mention the timeline of Tree Hill. <laughs> It comes up a lot, and it's going to continue because it gets worse and worse and worse, honestly. For new viewers of One Tree Hill, this is going to be a thing we're probably going to discuss every single season. (laughs) Yes. So nothing's going to change. I hope you know that. Yeah, I feel like we haven't seen nothing yet because (laughs) it's going to get worse. Yeah, a lot of this were projected for the future seasons, but, you know, we're, we're noticing now on this current watch that even early on, the timeline was very inconsistent. It's, it's stressful, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> make it make sense, please. <laughs> uh, it never will. We, we, it never will make sense. Trust us. We will try and try, and it will never make sense. It's very sad. But anyway, uh, so... Nathan gets the letter from Zeb, and Zeb says that uh, she wants to try to be a family again. And that's what inspires Nathan to essentially move back in with Zan and the family, which we'll get into discussing a lot a little bit later. And then he asks Peyton, like, what would you think? And then Peyton says that she would give anything for one more day for her mom and dad to be together again. And I'm like, that's really sweet, Peyton, but, like, your parents were actually decent, I had the same thought. You know, I don't really think there is a parallel here, you know, and I feel like it's going along with the whole, uh, the whole mentality that a lot of people have. Like, oh, like, you know, I know your, uh, your parent is a piece of shit, but it's still your father or still your mother or whatever the situation may be. And you really should not give your parent a time of day if they are that toxic. I agree. I mean, does she know who she's saying this to? Like, yeah. she knows who Dan is. You would think she would know better, yeah. But I get it, though. Like, in a sense, like, Peyton probably is biased in this regard. Because she's probably in a situation where she's like, like, oh, I'd rather have two parents than only one parent right now. So, I get that she's a little biased. But I feel like Nathan should understand that he doesn't have to listen to Peyton in that regard. Yeah. Because to be fair, Peyton does say, like, oh, I don't really think I'm the best person to ask this about. Because she does have her own internal biases. And I feel like Nathan obviously should know that. Right. Like, he knows that her mom died. What else is she going to say? Like, there's really no other option for her. Like, of course she's going to say, 
she would give anything to have her family together again. Because in that right. situation, like, who wouldn't say that? But in, but Nathan's situation is totally different. He has a toxic father. And everyone in Tree Hill knows that. So, especially Peyton, she used to date Nathan. Right. But I was kind of cringing, just like you, when she said that. I was like, oh, not good advice. <laughs> exactly. You gotta know your audience. And her audience was Nathan, and it just does not apply. <laughs> Right. And I, I feel like Peyton should have had a little bit more self-awareness in that regard. Like, maybe she should have said, but like, listen, my parents were great, though. I know your parent is pretty shitty. So this is my take on the situation. You can do with that what you want. Mm-hmm. But instead, it just seems to be like this whole morality tale about saying, like, you should give your toxic parents a second chance. Yeah. So between the letter from Deb and this conversation with Peyton, like, Nathan has turns a complete 180 in this episode in the beginning like he doesn't want anything to do with dan and then by the end he wants this family again it all happens really fast in the span of like a day (laughs) because this episode doesn't span i don't think hardly more than that but who knows um it seems like it was like a day or two of time it could have been a week it could have been a month caitlin like who knows are, it could have been a few are hours. Are we going to go into that conversation again already? No. Like, twice an no. episode is a bit much, <laughs> even for us. <laughs> we are going to move on. Uh, to talk about other sad things that are happening in Nathan's life, let's talk about the annulments papers. Um, Dan would come and, and hand Nathan annulment papers. Like, yeah. this is so... Like, of course he would do this. Uh-huh. And Nathan seems to be very, uh, he seems against them at first. And then later on, he says, oh, like, uh, maybe we, uh, maybe we did this marriage thing a little bit too soon. Um, and okay, do you want to tell the listeners what we talked about, like, before we started recording, uh, in regards to the recap? Oh, yeah. So the way that I worded the recap, I was like, Dan brought Haley the papers that Nathan sent, basically. Yeah. But Jeremy noticed there's probably a little bit more nuance here. Yeah, and I questioned, like, did Nathan actually send them? Do we know for a fact? I don't know if we ever get the answer for that. I always read it as, like, Dan was just buttoned in when he shouldn't have been. But who knows? Yeah, I think that's the way I probably originally saw it. But with all these different scenes paired together, I feel like we are meant to imply that Nathan agreed with Dan's suggestion. After that really long conversation they had at the end of the episode, when Dan was like, I I can't wait to talk about that part. We'll get to it later. But Dan was basically saying, like, don't turn into me. And he was going on and on. I feel like that scene then gets cut off. And I feel like we're led to believe that Dan convinced Nathan to sign the annulment papers and send them to Haley. Yeah, I always read it as him, like, I thought he forged the signature. He very well could have. (laughs) Yeah, which I wouldn't put that past Dan at all. But you're right, like, with, you know, the order of the scenes and everything like that, it very much could have been uh, Nathan sending the papers himself. Yes, because after the Dan and Haley scene, we then see Nathan, soon after that, we see Nathan with Lucas. 
And Nathan's telling Lucas that he's he's moving on from Haley. He's moving out of this apartment. He's moving on from Haley, basically, in so many words. So it led me to believe that he actually agreed with the annulment. But it's complicated. Yeah. And maybe like the, uh, you know, they did want to like actually write a scene where Nathan says, you know what, Zan? I do want the annulment. Go to hell. (laughs) So, you know, give her these papers. Because I feel like that would have been, I feel like that would have been gut-wrenching for the audience to say that. Yeah. You know? It's like, oh, wow, Nathan really is giving up here. But maybe they intended to, like, intended for this to be ambiguous. Like, it could be either way. (laughs) Like, Dan's the villain and always has been. So it makes sense that he would forge it and bring it to Haley and try to, like, sabotage their marriage. But in the same way, like, the context of this episode, Nathan seems to be moving on, moving back with his family and trying to forget about Haley. It's really messy. I feel like this... I want to watch the next two episodes, which I'm going to binge them and then go back and watch the, the next one again. But I... Yeah, I want to see, like, is this ever addressed? Do I just forget about this? Did I just, did I just I forget about this? Yeah, I don't know if it ever is, honestly. I mean... Ugh, too many spoilers to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, too many spoilers, but... I can't really recall if it is. Yeah, we'll put a pen in this and we'll keep an eye out if uh, this is ever addressed as Dan acted on his own accord. Yeah, we'll say. maybe we both forgot. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> our memory, my memory is very fallible, honestly, so who knows? <laughs> um, but I do want to call out, uh, I do want to call out Haley in a good way. Because I like how she first tells the manager that, like, oh, I'm going to need some time off from the tour. And then the manager says, okay, you need to do, you do what you gotta do, but I am gonna have to replace you. And then Haley hesitates at first, but then in the next scene that we see her in, she says, oh, this is my last show. And I just love that Haley did that because I feel like she knew her worth at that point because it just goes back to like what a lot of toxic bosses say. And they say like, you know, I can replace you, but really they can't replace you. Like, mm-hmm. Haley is a Haley is a one of a kind. You cannot fucking replace her, okay? Aw, that's so true, and though. She knew her worth, and so she decided to uh, leave. And then, of course, that, you know, that plane got derailed when Dan showed up with the annulment papers. And she said, you know what? I guess I will stay on this store. If only Dan didn't show up. I just, I know. you know, I'd like to see that alternate story. So you want to see an alternate universe episode? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I guess I asked for that. I, uh, not another one so soon. <laughs> not another one so soon. <laughs> but I wonder. I do wonder. Pretty sure there's a fanfic out there that somebody wrote. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because in this moment, like, I'm happy that Haley was firm and that this is her last show and she's, you know, leaving. I, I was happy to see her, like, confident in that. Because she pondered it, which it's a lot to think about. But then she was certain. And then, of course, Dan has to, like, disrupt it all, as usual. Yeah, Dan is an asshole. And also a criminal, apparently. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about what uh, Brooke found in the shredded papers. I love how Brooke put it together. <laughs> I wonder how long that took, first off. And second of all... They find out that it's a bill for a car under some random name. I can't remember what it 
what the name was. Some woman saying, yeah, yeah that's all I remember. <laughs> and then Lucas and Andy are looking at the bill more closely. And they determine, like, that the numbers aren't matching up. And that Dan is taking the extra money and not reporting porting it. Yeah, they found... Uh, Andy and Lucas found out that... Uh, the woman paid $12,000 in cash, but the, but the receipt that Dan has on file is only $9,000? In which case, why would you shred that? I, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to get into the details, but uh, but yeah, but then there was a receipt for $9,000, so essentially Dan pocketed the extra three grands, which I love when Lucas is explaining this to Brooke, and then Brooke says, that doesn't really sound like a scam. And I'm like, Brooke, he's pocketed an extra $3,000. And I think Lucas said, if you're doing it over and over again, then yeah, it's going to be a significant amount of money. I think even once that is a scam. Yeah, but yeah. I just, but I just thought it was funny how Brooke says, oh, it's not a scam. So I'm just saying like, yeah, Brooke, like be a, you know, be, be a scammer. I, I just love this for you. <laughs> I've been I've been listening to a lot of the Scam Goddess podcast lately, and it just like really empowers me to scam rich people. Because I'm sorry, but if this woman had twelve thousand dollars in cash to buy a car, she didn't need that extra three thousand dollars. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so by all means, scam them, but only scam the rich people. Do not scam like you know <laughs> p- poor people. Always scam the rich, and that is my lesson that I want all of you to take away from this. Oh my god, let's not teach people to scam <laughs> others. Thank you. So yeah, if you're selling, so if you're selling a car, and you know you want to say like, oh, it's twelve thousand dollars, and then like only report the nine thousand and pocket the extra cash, go ahead and do that. You know, I'm like, I support you. <laughs> I do not support this. I I do. Well, okay, if you're dad and you're rich and you're, you know, again, I don't support this because you're rich. But if you're a poor person trying to sell a car, go ahead and do it. (laughs) (laughs) I basically said goodbye to a political career during this entire little tangent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're really setting yourself up. Um... But then we also learned that uh, there is this extra amount of cash that that Dan has, and he's been depositing it into a college fund for Lucas. It's also suspicious. Like, is this really a college fund, or yeah, is this his own money? Is it a front? Yeah. that he's trying to just like cover up his tracks a little bit because damn, I know it's a mystery, and I wonder if we'll find out the results i love to see this lucas and andy pair up (laughs) the them both investigate i guess i don't know it's kind of yeah i like it (laughs) lucas has two uh dr watson's in a way he has i know brooke compared herself uh to dr watson i think andy is more of the dr watson because they've been working together a little bit more consistently but brooke definitely helped (laughs) oh she did And it was greatly appreciated. Also, uh, the moment where Lucas uh, talks to Brooke after after Brooke delivers the shred of paper, Lucas says, thank you for this, which is a Jeff that I see all the time. Is it? It is. Oh, I don't think I ever I saw that. I send it sometimes. Maybe. Yeah, I send it sometimes to people on Twitter. <laughs> Whenever somebody says something nice about the podcast, I'll send it to them be like, thank you for this. Aww, that's sweet. <laughs> it's cute. I never noticed that. 
<laughs> yeah, it's adorable. But uh, speaking of things that people are thankful for, we get a little bit of weight in this episode, and I know you're thankful for this, I guess. I don't know. That's that's my awkward segue into the topic. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we haven't gotten any Leighton lately. Yeah. And Caitlin, you look like you could use some chocolate. So the writers delivered this episode to you, and it was the chocolate. What are you talking about? <laughs> chocolate? I thought the, uh, the I thought chocolate that, that, that Lucas gives Peyton. I got it. Yes, which is obviously a Hershey bar, and they just blaze in the words chocolate on the wrapper. Did they? <laughs> it just looks so fun. Like, I, I always pay attention to stuff like that. It always gives me a little chuckle. Oh, that's <laughs> like, too funny. <laughs> I don't know, but that library is just like, you could use some chocolate. It's always like a, I don't know, it's always a feel-good moment. I'm like, you know what? I could always use some chocolate. And if Chad McElmurray delivered some chocolate to me... I would not be mad. Yeah, I'd be very happy about that. (laughs) But anyway, you were in the middle of saying something, probably much more intelligent about Lucas and Peyton. Go ahead. (laughs) So we we first see them together when Lucas comes to Trick to ask Peyton uh, to help out Nathan doing some kind of fundraiser. That moment was nice because I can't remember who brought it up first. I, I guess it was Lucas who brought it up. That Peyton was right when she said that he was a bad friend. He wasn't there yeah. for her. And he, like, owned up to that, which was really nice to see. Because mm-hmm. it had been a while since that conversation. Like, wasn't that the beginning of the season? Yeah, it would have been, uh, it would have been episode 10. Episode 9 or 10. Okay. And so that was nice to see that addressed. And then later on at Trick, Lucas comes over to Peyton because he sees that she's visibly upset about Jake. And it was it was also nice to see them like together. It was a sweet moment of just two friends. And I it was really was an innocent moment. And I know that we see Brooke looking on like worried that something's going on with them. Yeah. But in reality, it was just Lucas because without knowing the conversation that they had earlier at Trick, I guess this could be taken out of context a little bit because they were talking about their friendship. And then, you know, Lucas is acting like a friend. For Peyton in that moment, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brooke was very insecure during that moment. Which I gotta say, like, I just want to give Brooke a hug because she is definitely having a cognitive distortion. And this is something I was talking about with my therapist yesterday, okay? Do you want to get real here oh, for a boy. second? So, so something that I'm working on in therapy is that, like, I feel like whenever there's somebody I'm romantically interested in, I always want to, like, you know, just jump in right away. Um, and I feel like if I don't move fast enough that the person, like, won't be interested in me anymore, and uh, I was uh, talking to my therapist about one particular situation that I'm having, and she was saying, like, Jeremy, that is a cognitive distortion, because why do you think that they would lose interest in you? Like, you're spending so much time together right now, like, they're they're interested in you in some capacity, at the very least, so you should just, like, you know, enjoy the moment, enjoy what you have right now, so you should stop you just stopped out yourself. And I feel like in Brooke's situation, like she's, she's been spending so much time with Lucas and two of them have been building a connection. And I feel like she should be excited about that. And she shouldn't be trying to like read into something that's not there because what she does know is that her and Lucas are spending a lot of time together and they are really great together. I know. And 
I agree with that. But I also, at the same time, understand where she's coming from. Yeah. I can understand her being insecure because of what happened previously, of course. Yeah. I get that. And, like, she should know that Peyton right now is upset about Jake because she really loves Jake. That should be clear. So I don't think Brooke should feel threatened in this moment. But I understand the past and those old feelings and that, that old hurt is rising up again. It's hard to, like, push that aside in your mind, you know? Yeah. But then again, if you think about it, like, what you just said kind of struck a chord with me when you said that she's feeling uh, upset about what happened with Jake. If you think about it, uh, Peyton and Lucas first cheated because Peyton was really upset about what was going on with her dad. Yeah. So. True. Like, the fact that these two situations happen, it just makes her mind automatically go there. Yeah, that's true. That was their initial, well, that was their cheating moment, but they, you know, they had a connection before that. They That's had true, a yeah. kiss before that. But yes, that could be a triggering moment because in that in that moment of sadness, I guess is the best way to put it, like they cheated on Brooke and now Peyton is upset again for a totally different reason, but similar feelings. Another another right. loss or almost loss because she didn't actually lose her dad but yeah for sure it's complicated it's really complicated so i get why she's insecure but at the same time i want i also want like brooke to like look inward and realize like you know what these are cognitive distortions that are happening to you right now okay just like i reminded myself (laughs) that these are cognitive distortions i haven't heard of that that phrase before oh really cognitive distortion Cognitive yeah. dissonance, but not cognitive distortion. Yeah, that was something that that was something that she said. Basically, it's like you're you're thinking something, uh, but the evidence that you actually do have in front of you doesn't really support these thoughts that you were yeah, having. It doesn't match up. Long story short. So I just want Brooke to think about the evidence that she is having, that she is having a good time with uh Lucas. Like the conversation during movie night when Lucas says, Thanks, Brooke, and she's like for what? And he says, for letting me vent about Diane, for helping Nathan out so much. I just don't know what I'd do without you. And it's so sweet. That was a really cute moment. And Brooke's face, uh, she's like, oh my gosh. She like melts, basically. Yeah, she's swooning. <laughs> and it, it was cute because there was no kiss involved. It was just a, a sweet moment, you know? Yup. And this is why I love them so much together, because of the slow build, and they're just falling in love with each other. They are just so perfect, Caitlin, and I can't deal. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. I just love these two together, and I can't help but be like a teenager every time I see these two on screen, because they're just so great. They might as well be a different couple than season one. Like, they're totally different. And I think... This was also another good quote, and I won't say it exactly, but because I don't have it written down. But in the store, Peyton says to Brooke that Lucas is is a totally different person, and you are also a totally different person. I don't know the exact words, but that's basically what was said. And it's true. They are different people. So they might as well just be, they honestly, it's like a totally different couple than season one. Exactly. And that's why, first time viewers, if you are... If, if you're watching this for the first time right now, maybe you didn't support Brooke and Lucas together during season one. Do you support them now? Let us know in the comments. 
we don't have comments for podcasts, but you know, let us know on social media. Join our Discord server, <laughs> patreon.com slash always OTH pod. Or email us. <laughs> Hell yeah. We want to know your thoughts, please. Let us know. And then also speaking of your cognitive distortion. Yeah. I want to talk about the scene with Brooke and Peyton in the store, which I was already oh, referring to, but I want to continue that. Peyton says to Brooke that she's okay if if she likes Lucas again. Like, she's fine with it if Brooke likes Lucas. Yeah. And I think that relates to what you're saying, too, because it's just another piece of evidence to support why yeah. Brooke should be okay with liking Lucas. Right. I don't think she's really insecure about Peyton in this regard. I think she's more insecure about, like, what Lucas could do. Yeah. True. But yeah, but but regardless, there's like, there's no, you're right, like there's, right now there seems to be no hope between Lucas and Peyton right now. And Brooke just doesn't seem to realize that. She's just like getting caught up in her own insecurities, which again, we get. Just want to give her a hug. I know. I'll refer her to my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they talk about hoes over bros. Yes, they do. And then Peyton's like, but... That doesn't mean no bros ever. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Which I'm like, I don't know why they... Because the two of them are very much dating somebody else, like, during their, like, quote-unquote, hoes over bros phase, quote-unquote. So, <laughs> like, why did Brooke even say that? We said hoes over bros. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They've both been in relationships. <laughs> so that makes zero sense. I guess just this one bro is a very sensitive bro. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. I can get that. <laughs> this one bro is very sensitive. <laughs> it's true, though. Anyway. <laughs> but Brooke's insecurities are further exacerbated when she sees a box full of paint and stuff. Which, ugh. I get it. It's, it's sad. What does this box of stuff mean? I don't know. First off, why is she looking through his stuff? And well, she wasn't looking through it. It fell out, but I don't know. She was kind of. She accidentally saw mm-hmm. it, and then you know something caught her eye, and she's like, "Oh shit, I'm in too deep." Oh, that breaks my fucking heart when she says because she's uh, starting to talk to Lucas and says, "Hey, we've been doing really good about with this whole friends thing, right?" And then she's like, "Oh, hold on," after she drops the stuff, and then she looks through it, and then she's like. Let's not screw this up, okay? And then you see her start to cry. It's so sad. What timing in that moment. Like, she's on the phone with Lucas, and then the box spills, and she sees all of that. And she was just getting up the courage in that exact moment to, I guess, maybe ask Lucas out on a date? That seemed like where it was maybe leading to. Like, do you want to see yeah. where where this could go beyond friends? And I really wonder what sh- exactly she would have said in that moment. But yeah, it's really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And then and then we get the moment at the end of the episode when after all of this has happened and Lucas is moving back in to Karen's house and Karen wants to set, set the ground rules because they obviously used to date. So it's kind of, you know, they're in the same house. Mm-hmm. And... Brooke's like, don't worry about it. We we're just friends. And like she's visibly crushed in that moment when she has to say that. And then Lucas steps into the other room and he's absolutely crushed too. Mm-hmm. 
but neither of them knows that the other person is crushed. Yeah. They're just sort of like living in their own pain. And it's just so sad. I'm like, I just want these two to get together. And <laughs> you think about it. Lucas has been pining for Brooke for such a long time, even before Brooke was like fully interested in him again. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much that's not said. It's a very yeah. delicate situation. Yeah, and this is one of those uh, situations where I feel like is very complicated. Like, because, you know, my big thing that I always critique the show on is this problem could be solved that the two characters just talk to each other. This is a complicated thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this whole, like, conflict really works. And, like, I'm into it right now. I understand why neither of them are talking to each other about the situation. And it just makes me really fucking sad. I think it really represents, like, teenagers and dating even kind of adults too like trust me it relates to adults yeah like (laughs) lucas he's been pining for brooke since the beginning of the season basically and he's had to hold that in because she was with felix he's had to hold that in for a long time yeah which brooke doesn't know about and brooke doesn't know brooke started to to fall for lucas you know i guess midway through the season Yeah. Or at least, you know, warm up to Lucas. And I feel like they just have never been honest with each other because of all the history in season one of everything that went down with this love triangle. Oh, yeah, it's really complicated because I I agree. Like, there are so many moments in TV shows where you want to scream at at the TV screen and say, just talk to each other. This is so (laughs) ridiculous and unrealistic. But in this moment... It's like if one of them says the wrong thing, like it could ruin it all. There's so much at stake in a way. There's there's intense feelings on both sides. You really feel for these characters and you really are like rooting for them. And I know I'm a Layton fan, but I, I'm feeling for these characters. I really am. Are you switching teams? I didn't Is this say the that. Hey, don't go there. <laughs> We are recording this on March 27th, uh, 2022. This is when uh, Caitlin admits that she is a Brucus fan. No, I did not say that. Do not put words in my mouth. Anyway, (laughs) wouldn't it be hilarious if I, like, uh, if I went back through the episode and, like, cut, like, single (laughs) words that she said together and say, like, I love Brooke and Lucas together. (laughs) Don't you dare. A listener could probably do, but honestly, like, I don't have the bandwidth to do this, but listeners, if you have, like, <laughs> if you have the edited tools and everything, please do this. This will be hilarious. Send it to me as a birthday gift. My birthday is October 21st. I would fucking love this. Okay. I know it's a ways do off. Do not give people ideas. But just deliver this to me. <laughs> <laughs> this represent Caitlin. Yay! <laughs> I'm all for crime this week. I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, what is going on with you? <laughs> I've listened to a lot of Scam Goddess, okay? <laughs> I can't. I just cannot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, just say, this is actually a good organic moment to like, talk about more crimes, okay? Um, so I want to talk about the charity movie night and some of the things that happened there. So at first, uh, Nathan... Uh, thinks, oh, I have all these bills, which is what necessitates the charity movie night. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he ends up realizing, like, oh, shit, all my bills are paid. We learn it's Dan who paid his bills later on. But at first, he thought, like, oh, I guess uh, 
Haley took care of all this because he realizes that like Haley is responsible. And I just gotta say, the fact that Haley can understand health insurance <laughs> and things like that at age 17, I am 31 and I still don't understand like how this shit fucking works. Every year when I file my taxes, I am always wondering if I'm committing tax fraud because that's how little I understand of it, okay? <laughs> yeah. If the IRS is listening to this, I am not committing tax fraud, for the record. But I question myself sometimes. So yeah, but who knows? I could be committing another crime right there. <laughs> yeah, the fact that Haley would know all of that. And also, like, if you have health insurance, you should know what that is and have a card, Nathan? Like, yeah. I mean, you're emancipated. If you're on your own health insurance, you should at least know yeah. what that insurance is to use it when you need it, like, in an accident I mean, yeah, the- like this. I mean, do you know? I mean, do you know your health insurance like off the top of your head? Because uh, let me tell you, whenever somebody, whenever I'm on the phone with the doctor, the doctor says like, "What's your insurance?" I have to be like, "Hold on, what is?" It? I mean, just have your access to your card, so you know what plan you have. That's all I mean. I don't know the ins and outs of everything. No. Yeah, my card's in an accessible place. I can't tell you that much. But do I do I know off the top of my head? Can I tell you what plan I have right now? No. Yeah. Well. He shouldn't be completely in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I guess it's like if you're if you're married and you share health insurance, I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Their marriage is really weird <laughs> on <Exactly>. many levels. <laughs> but anyway, commit tax fraud, everybody. <laughs> oh, can we not say that? <laughs> do not, people. Please do not do that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm really empowering scammers and crime people this week. <laughs> anyway, you know, just to talk about the like the movie that got shown, uh, this really like stuck with me a little bit because uh, they play the movie Red Asphalt Two, which was a PSA about safe driving and drunk driving, and it's given by the California Highway Department. It actually spans five short films between the years 1964 to 2005, by the way. But I just thought it was hilarious. Not hilarious. That's the wrong way to say it. That, like, Nathan first sees it getting played and he's like, oh, yeah, turn it up. Because let me tell you, I was in a car accident and I do not like watching car accidents in any movies. Yeah. (laughs) Like, at all. I can imagine it being really triggering. Yeah, for real. Like, I'm telling you, like, uh, like there's movies that, like, I've seen thousands of times, like, pre-car accident, and then I've rewatched them, like, after the car accident. I know it's coming. I know the scene's coming, and it still triggers me. So, I just found that kind of funny that Nathan was willing to uh, just look past his own accident in that way. <laughs> yeah, what was he doing in that moment? I-, I feel like he was he was trying not to make it a thing. By laughing it off, basically. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, that's great. But are you pushing aside your trauma? Because you shouldn't do that. He's definitely doing that. It's like a way to cope cope with it. Yeah, right. Like, when I, whenever I watch movies now with car accidents, and I'm watching it with a friend, and, you know, whenever a car accident does happen, like, I have one friend in particular who will, like, check in with me and be like, oh, that just happened. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just going to remove my earbuds right now. <laughs> You yeah. know, it's more so the sound than the actual yeah, the image is... of it. 
But I just find it funny that that's a, like affects him in any way. But meanwhile, uh, Junk uh, orders Cracker Jack at the movie night. <laughs> and then Lucas says, don't say Cracker Jack. <laughs> I'm like, you think that's going to affect Nathan, but not the actual... Uh. <laughs> Please sponsor us, Cracker Jack. Please sponsor us. Yes. <laughs> As many times as we <laughs> I know. I thought that was funny, too. Oh. Yeah. Should we start, like, you know, saying, like, random things? Be like, you know, talk about how much we love Cracker Jack. I love Cracker Jack because it is a great meal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> and the greatest thing is, is that you get a little surprise when you open up the bag. These prizes are so great. They can range from little tattoos to bracelets. Crunch into your Cracker Jack today. Get sweet and salty. <laughs> visit crackerjack.com slash always and forever and use promo code i have space for this (laughs) (laughs) for 25 percent off we did not plan this we did not plan this (laughs) listeners (laughs) that is not a real website everybody please do not go to the website and think that's a thing although Actually, you know, if you want to reach out to Cracker Jack and, like, you just say, like, hey, I tried finding this code. It didn't work. You know, just send a little message to her way. It's great. We have talked about Cracker Jack in at least, in at least five episodes so far of this whole podcast. So, like, they really could be a sponsor. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about Dan's epiphany, question mark. And I know you wanted to talk about this scene and you were excited about it. So take the lead. Tell us, Caitlin. Yeah, I'm really excited about this scene because so much is said in it. And spoiler alert, this is my favorite quote. Oh, so I'm okay. just going to read it now and then I won't have to read it later. <laughs> but like, <laughs> so no. Dan has this really long speech with to Nathan, speaking to Nathan. And like, there's several. I didn't write down the entire speech because it was super, super long. But um. There's different snippets that I thought were really interesting. Listen to me. It's my fault you emancipated yourself. I know that. It's my fault your mother's in rehab. Somewhere along the line, I started hurting the people closest to me, and I haven't figured out how to stop. Another thing that he says, I figured if Lucas moved in, I would be my best self. And then the last part. If you want to hate me, fine. I can live with that. But don't you become me if you make the wrong choice and spend the rest of your life wishing you were a different man. I feel like there's so much to unpack about all that. (laughs) And I feel like this is the first time that we actually see Dan speaking openly about all this. He's the most vulnerable I feel like he's been since the show started. Is it an act, though? Now, that's the question. Yeah. Is it all true? Regardless, I chose those little snippets as my favorite quote because I found it to be like really compelling. I have to be honest. I think part of it is true. I think he is being sincere. Um, To some level, at least, he's being sincere. Yeah. Like that, the first part, like, like he knows it's his fault that Nathan got emancipated and that Deb is struggling in rehab. Um, with her drug addiction. And he says, somewhere along the line, I started hurting the people closest to me and I haven't figured out how to stop. It's like he's acknowledging his behavior. And that relates to like how he's treated Nathan, how he's treated Deb, what he did to Keith. And he doesn't know how to stop. 
He keeps doing these evil things. And then Nathan says to him, he's like, just stop. That's what you do. Yep. If you want to stop being a dictator, just do it, is what he says. Which, I don't know how else, other than that, I don't know how else you could respond. Like, that was the perfect thing that Nathan said. It's like, you just have to stop. Like, <laughs> there's yeah. no other option. It's really that easy. It really is. So then the question begs, like, why is Dan so compelled to hurt people close to him? Like, wh- why? What's the reasoning? And it's been so many different people over and over again for years now. Yeah. It's so I feel like, yes, on some level, he's being sincere in that moment. And what he said at the end, he's like, he basically wants Nathan to not turn into him. And he wants Nathan to have a good life and to make the right choices and not to regret who he is. And I think this is ultimately like, I know we said we weren't sure if if Nathan actually sent the annulment papers or not, but this is kind of the moment in this speech that Dan's giving where I think he's changing Nathan's mind and getting him to think about his choices in life and ultimately the choice to get married to Haley. Yeah, and even though uh, Nathan starts off by laughing it off and just applauding Dan's performance... He does, I feel like, buy it in the ads because that's what ultimately helps him decide to move back home. Yep. And then that's when he tells uh, Lucas to stop looking into Dan because uh, he wants to give their family another shot. And then, of course, we know that's when Lucas decides to move out, which I was kind of looking forward to. Like, I remember the first time I watched this, I was looking forward to seeing like Lucas and Nathan are going to live together again. And then it's like, oh, well, well, live together again, live together, period, because they never live together. Yeah. That's true. That would have been interesting. But that ended up not happening because of this whole conflict. Oh, it's, yeah. It, there was so much said in that speech. And I understand why Nathan would be convinced, like, that Dan is being sincere and, and really wants to, like, be a better person. And I truly do believe that Dan has regrets. Truly believe that. He's not a good person. But I believe he has regrets and yeah, whether he'll change the course of his life and try to make better decisions and treat people close to him better, I don't know. But yeah, it was quite a performance on Paul Johansson's part, really. I, I This was like a highlight for me. Wow. So that's my quote. So whether it was fully sincere, I don't know, but it was super compelling and I feel like there it was really rich and like... Dan's psyche almost. Okay. I see that. Okay, I went on my so little Dan, rant. <laughs> Dan has a uh, Dan has won you over. Well, I don't know about that. But <laughs> we'll see what happens in these uh next uh two episodes, because after this is the two part finale, baby. I know. <laughs> uh but until then, let's talk about this uh coda with the sod overcome by Better Than Ezra. So we are backstage on Haley's tour. Haley sits by her keyboard with the annulment papers on top. One of her people enters and says, I thought you were going to see your husband. To which she replies, what husband? Aw. Then we cut to Karen's kitchen. Karen checks her computer and receives an email from Keith, which simply says, thank you. Which was a response to Karen earlier in the episode saying, uh, Hey, listen, I know you need some space, so if you want, I won't bother you. 
this will be my last email if you, until you say otherwise. And then that's when Keith responds. And you know Karen wanted more of a response, but at least Keith acknowledged it. Right. Good old Nub. We miss Keith. I know we got Craig Sheffer in the last episode, but that's not the Keith we know and love. I know. True. True, true, true. Yeah, I miss Keith too. And we're at the Scott house. Nathan enters and tells Dan and Lucas that he's moving back home. We cut back to Karen's kitchen. Karen and Brooke are sat at the table. Then Lucas arrives home. And Karen is ecstatic. They hug. They kiss. And it's beautiful. And then Karen starts to establish some ground rules now that Brooke and Lucas are living under the same roof. But Brooke sadly replies that they're just friends. Nothing more. Aw. We then see Lucas enter the living room where he puts down his jacket. He is visibly upset by what Brooke said. And we see Brooke observe him from the kitchen. And she has no idea that he's heartbroken. (laughs) Super sad. All right, so what's your favorite quote since I already shared mine? In a very long-winded way. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't even the whole speech. (laughs) Um, So I like the part where uh, Peyton and Brooke are talking to each other at the store. And uh, Brooke asks, like, oh, uh, what makes you think that we would work out now? Talking about her and Lucas. And then Peyton says, for one thing, I wouldn't make out with him this time. That's it. It was just funny. It was lighthearted. Yeah. It was cute. <laughs> it was. It was lighthearted. I like it. What was your favorite uh, musical moments? So I love Mixtape by Butch Walker. Same. And this song is actually featured on the first OTH soundtrack. So oh. if listeners have purchased that soundtrack or listened to it on like Spotify or whatever, you'll see that song on there. And I really like that song stands out to me. I always remember really liking that one. And this song is played in a montage scene, which I, I always love the montage scenes. Yeah. So we see like several of the characters. We see Brooke and Lucas together. We see Haley. We see Nathan reading the, the letter from his mom. And I feel like there are all these like really emotional moments. Yeah. Karen is looking at the photo album of her, Keith and yes, Lucas. Yep. It's just a collection of, like, you know, happy moments at the end of the day. I know there's a lot of, like, despair happening, and there's a lot of, like, you know, despair behind, like, why these people are, like, flashing back on these memories, but overall they are happy, and it's just really sweet. Yeah, I know. And I love when you get a montage in the middle of an episode. Uh-huh. Does... It's like multiple I codas. Know, I know, It's like a double <laughs> coda. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you go first. Tell us for your score. I'm kind of back and forth. I think... <laughs> That's why I'm having you go first, because right. I'm back and I forth think as I well. Am change it. I was back and forth before. I have to update it on my notebook to make it official. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, you know, you could just I say know, it I on know, the I podcast. Know. I like to keep track. I keep, like to keep a record. So I give this episode three out of five Bermuda Triangles of Drama. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> And what made you give it a three out of five and not a four out of five or a five out of five? And why not a one or a two? So I was kind of between a three and four. It's like a decent episode, but it's not the best episode. And I think a three is better suited. Like, I don't know. It wasn't the most entertaining, but I liked a lot of the conversations. For sure, yeah. That's funny you say you're between a three and a four. I was between a two and a three. Yeah, you're always harsher. <laughs> you're always harsher. <laughs> Hey, everybody knows this about me. Everybody expects this. It is part of the brand. I actually have no idea. Is this a brand that you expect from me? (laughs) I have no idea. Well, if we were giving half Um, scores, I'd give it a three and a half. 
Yeah, well, I'd give it a 2.5. But I had decided three out of five annulment papers. Nice. Because just like you said, there were a lot of great moments. It's not a fantastic episode. There were a lot of like disjointed plots all over the place here, but I'd say there were a lot of solid moments to justify at least a three out of five for sure. I think we got to see like the characters working through their emotions in this episode. Yeah. And I thought that was a valuable thing to see. Working through their traumas and whatnot. But Brooke needs to work on her cognitive distortions. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. So, uh... I know Brooke was, like, really insecure, and we talked a lot about how, like, oh, she shouldn't be insecure, like, things are great, but Lucas still ends up with Peyton anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like this episode, even just talking about it now, it's so hard to not give spoilers away. Like, I feel like in this moment, Brooke shouldn't be worried, but in the end, like, yeah, I guess she should be. And it's so hard to see that. It's so hard to see. And I know as we get into season three, it's going to be even worse. But, oh, my gosh. I can't imagine what they'll say on the Drama Queens podcast, too, because I know they'll have thoughts. Um, It's it's hard to see scenes with Peyton convincing Brooke, because we're going to get a bunch of them as we move on, (laughs) convincing Brooke Mm -hmm. that nothing's going on and that, you know, she doesn't have feelings for for Lucas. So it's really hard to hear that. And I know this is like a long, this is far away from when it actually happens. Well, not in Tree Hill time, but like, you know, it's ways away, <laughs> but still. Yeah. And it's kind of sad because like Brooke has all these insecurities now and that all these insecurities turn out to be true at the end of the day. But what I feel like Brooke doesn't really have the emotional intelligence to realize, because she is a teenager, is that these feelings that Lucas had for her right here in this finite moment in time, these are true feelings. Like, he he definitely does love her, for sure. And those feelings just sort of faded, and then he ends up with Peyton. And that's completely valid that that can happen, but I can understand why this uh, ended up affecting Brooke's future relationships. Like, her relationship with Julian was definitely affected by the trauma she had with Lucas during this period of time, where she keeps wondering, like, oh, is this guy going to leave me? Can I trust this guy? That sort of thing. 
I know, and I, I can't wait to talk about next season. But you kind of think about how, like, with the school shooting episode and Peyton kissing Lucas, like, Peyton was the yeah. one who, in, even though she was, like, not in her right mind, I think, in that moment, like, she was the one who initiated this again. Like, Lucas, I think, at that, in that moment was happy with Brooke. And then that kiss happened. And then things just got really messed up. Yeah, for sure. Ugh. I don't like it either. I mean, I don't... It makes you feel icky, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like what a lot of the fandom, like, really likes to get all up in arms about is that, oh, like, Lucas never really loved Brooke. And I'm like, I don't think that's the case. He did love Brooke here. But your feelings can change. And he probably realized later on that, like, okay, Brooke really isn't the one for me. It's always Peyton. It's you. It's always been you, Peyton. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Your feelings can change. And I I truly do believe that Lucas, yeah, I I believe that he he loved Brooke. I I absolutely believe that. And I think Lucas always loved Brooke. I mean, it just wasn't like, you know, a relationship love. In season three, yes, he loved her, loved her. But I think then, you know, after that, it was just like, he he still cared about her, obviously, and, and loved her as a friend and cared for her. It was just different. Yeah. And you can be in love with multiple people at the same time. It is possible. Yeah, I think there was definitely some lo- overlap with with Brooke and, and Peyton. Yeah, for sure. So, it's really sad. Uh, I really hope Brooke is in therapy <laughs> right now. <laughs> like, Peyton needs therapy. We always talk about her. I think Brooke needs therapy because she needs to work on her trust issues for sure. Definitely. But, okay. We unpack the Brooke, the Brookus and, and Leighton of mm-hmm. it all. Uh, which that was a very civil conversation between the two of us. That was great. <laughs> it was. We're, we're like very understanding. Like, yeah, Lucas loved both of them, and it's complicated. I'm like, yeah, yeah. it really is. Oh, <laughs> uh, but what about this uh, second uh, bullet point that you put down? So this conversation that Dan and Nathan had in this episode, where Dan had his epiphany or whatever you want to call it. It just made me think about, like, the journey that Dan and Nathan go through throughout this whole series. And it's honestly, like, one of the most interesting parts of the show. And it all leads to the penultimate episode of the series. And I couldn't just get my thoughts off of that episode where Dan dies and he's then sitting on the, in, like, this make-believe world, I guess you could say. He's... In between, I don't know, on his way to heaven, what, whether you believe that or not. And he's sitting on the river court and he's talking to Nathan. I don't really remember this episode, actually. You, you refresh my Are memory, you serious? please. I mean, I remember at the I remember at the ads when he like uh, when he's with Keith at the school in the school hallway. Oh my god, then... this is one of the scenes that makes me ball more than like any <laughs> Montreal I'm scene. I'm sorry, I don't remember it as well. <laughs> I don't see. I don't want to watch it. I didn't want to watch a clip of it again because I want it to be fresh when we get there. <laughs> it's like okay. shit. When I think of this episode, it's just like really, whew, it hits my yeah. heart. But anyway, keep talking about it. it. Keep talking about heart. it. I didn't mean to derail but you. Anyway, like <laughs> Dan gives this this apology basically to Nathan, and it's like the deepest, most sincere thing ever. It's like everything that wasn't said was said in that moment and it 
just made me think about how Dan evolves so much by the end of the series. And it is such an emotional thing. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting emotional talking about it. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm serious though. Like it it's one of the more emotional like I didn't really cry too much at the end of the, the series, but like that penultimate episode with Dan, the Dan scenes, like really hit me. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you know that tears streaming down her face right now? <laughs> no, I don't have tears streaming down my face. She does, like... actually. <laughs> she just doesn't want to admit it. She has too much pride, but... I don't know. I think about these characters and, like, they grow so much and their relationship changes. And by the end, it's like this, this really beautiful thing where Dan saves Nathan from those... I don't know. <laughs> Who were those guys? from I, I don't know drug they're not they're not even drug people they're just gamblers right i don't even know it had something to do with basketball and <laughs> it, yeah it i don't really even remember what it was but anyway there is some beautiful poetry to it the fact that dan saves nathan and then he gets shot and ultimately like that's how he dies later on i mean he dies from that and then I think about this scene in this episode, and it's just like, wow, they come so far. So I couldn't get that thought out of my head, so I just wanted to touch on their journey. Sorry for rambling. Aw. I, I, I love the <laughs> ramble. Please, you should ramble more. <laughs> Straight up, I think if I were to watch that scene right now, I would start bawling. Yeah, the relationship does happen flow. Like, I mean, even, you know, I mean, you talked about the ads, but like, even in the middle, like, Nathan essentially cuts off Dan, but then he realizes, like, well, you know what? Jamie loves you, so you can still spend time with Jamie. So there's yes. a lot of like back and forth because yep. the situation is very, very complicated for sure. And I feel like with Lucas, it's I don't want to say cut and dry, but it kind of is. It's like we're never going to have a relationship, and they never really do. Yeah, and that's that. And then you know, Chad Michael Murray leaves, but it kind of makes sense for the character too because you know Lucas never sees. Dan again and he doesn't come to him when he dies and like that just represents a relationship and I don't think Lucas should feel like he needs to have a relationship with Dan because Dan was crappy to him so yeah but Nathan there's it's just so different and it's interesting to see the juxtaposition between the two brothers really like it's so different it's also realistic too when you think about it because come on like after you've done so many shitty things like dan has no matter how much you've done to repent there are gonna be some people who are never going to forgive you and lucas is one of them what dan did to keith was enough for lucas to never like want to you know see him again and totally totally understandable Nathan right. is just such a different story. And like you said, the relationship ebbs and flows. There's so many ups and downs. And then the whole Jamie thing is like, that really starts to reveal Dan as a change. He's changing. Not completely changed, but he's changing. And it's it's really interesting as we see, like, from, I guess, season five on, how that happens. I mean, you know, and then we have the Rachel and the talk show and the Rachel. We have the Rachel scenes <laughs> and the talk show and all of that stupid stuff, but Rachel's not stupid, but like the fact that they were together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, It's just funny how you said it so matter of fact. Like you're like, you know, Rachel and the talk show. <laughs> <laughs> this show goes off the rails it, it sometimes. Really does. And it is great. I fucking love it. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this stuff. I can't wait either. Oh boy. But uh 
on a completely different note, one final thing. So, one thing that struck me is that in this episode, uh, Nathan reads the letter from Deb, and the letter says, like, oh, like, uh, Deb wants everybody to be a family again. But, uh... What Zab ends up clarifying in the finale, I'm not sure which part, if it's the first half or the second half of the two-part finale, but Zab says, Nathan, I want us to be a family again. Talk about just her and Nathan. Mm -hmm. And then Zab says, will you come with me? And then Nathan's like, yeah, I will. Which is a complete 180 from him realizing that he doesn't want to be with Zan anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that storyline's all over the place. Because, like, yeah, he wants for sure. to, them to be a family again. And then he's going to be a family with Deb. And then Deb does something where he doesn't want to be a family with her anymore. Doesn't uh, she, Doesn't he? What? Like, after in season three? Or Isn't there some? I don't think so. Not that I know of. Doesn't he change his mind again? I'm not sure, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I know he ends up moving back in with Haley when the two of them rekindle the relationship. Yeah. But, like, I don't think anything else happens with, with Zab after this. I guess maybe that's later on. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> because in season three, he's living, he's still living at Dan's house. And and yeah. Deb and Dan are in the house. Yeah, because they're playing all those pranks on each other. Uh, which yes, are those are hilarious. <laughs> okay. And then Zab leaves, essentially after Lucas finds out that Deb was the one who tried to kill Dan. Deb leaves town for a little bit. And then she comes back, okay. and I'm guessing she's still living with, uh, she moves in with Dan for a little while. I'm not really sure what her dynamic is. Does Deb ever move out and get a place of her own? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> true. Maybe I'm thinking the end of the season when Nathan finds out about her trying to kill Dan. Yeah. I don't know if, she held it against, if he held it against her or anything like that. I think, I think it was just sort so. of a... Yeah. Aren't these spoiler segments so compelling, listeners? Yeah. All of us st- We're trying to work through a season that we have not seen in a while, so. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. We're just like, yeah, great discussion, where we're trying to figure out, like, oh, what's it happen? I don't know. <laughs> Good that episode by episode, we know what we're talking about, and we have our yeah. shit together. And we will by the time we get to season three, we promise. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to definitely binge season three before we, we get there. You can say that uh, our memories of season three is uh, the the tide that left <laughs> and never came back, which is the 22nd episode of season two, which is the first part of the two-part finale. And the second part is called The Lever's Dance. And our OTH DVD box sets have a description for both episodes, because it was a two-part thing. And listeners, if you are watching this from your DVD, I just want to say, if you want to follow along with the podcast, the scene where you want to stop at is right after Jimmy Eat World saw May Angels lead you in. So you want to stop it after that. And then the following week, you'll be able to hear our discussion on the Leavers Dance. The description from our DVD box sets reads, The school year is ending, and so are relationships that once seemed so right. Lucas can claim at least one triumph, the evidence of fraud that will destroy Dan. Or is Dan yet again a step ahead of everyone else? We'll be seeing ya. We'll be seeing ya. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) 